Hey y'all, it's your favorite host, and I wanted to just pop in here to say, uh, if you're enjoying the show uh, and you'd like to give us some support, the best way to do that is through Patreon. Uh, I've launched the Patreon with a couple of tiers. There's a $3 tier, which gives you access to the Discord, and you come hang out with uh, me and the other friends inside of that, uh, and just kind of talk the show, talk a bunch of different nerd stuff. And then there is a, another tier, an $8 tier, uh, where you can get early access to episodes ad-free. Um, you will also get free access to all uh, micro-RPGs that I create in the future. Yeah, so again, uh, thank you so much for listening to the show. Um, if you'd like to give additional support, that's one way to do it. Another great way to do it is just, you know, go on to whatever platform you're listening to and rate the podcast, subscribe, uh, follow, leave a review if you can. Um, those things really help gain visibility for the show, and it is always greatly appreciated. Link is in the description. Thank you so much, and back to the episode. Welcome to the Secret Nerd Podcast, where we think everyone should play tabletop RPGs and give you some reasons why. Today I have a special guest, somebody who's inspired me to do this idea by teaching people how to play D&D who have never learned before. So uh, if you want to go ahead and introduce yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thanks, Navarre. My name is Bernardo Gallegos. I am a longtime buddy of Navarre's and we've known each other all the way since I think, I want to say middle school. Mm, yeah, I think so. But like we kind of lost touch, like as people do when you get into that early, you know, years of your life. But uh, yeah. Uh, big old nerd play i'm in the it field i've been in support for um, some years now but have been really letting the the nerdy stuff go and so here i am <laughs> thanks for having me really appreciate it yeah absolutely man thanks for being on i guess let's just start with you know what kind of got you into the culture whether it was not necessarily just the ttrpg side but also um you know just the nerd type stuff in general cool yeah no i think um it's partly my parents' fault. Uh, when, <laughs> I can say that actually because they were the ones who first bought my younger brother and I consoles, like video game yeah. consoles. Um, and then the other component was that we found like old VHSs in their collection. Um, they actually had a recording. It's not like I'm not sure how they came upon this, so I'm not I'm not trying to get you know get them in trouble. But it had the Transformers movie on vhs and then it also had several episodes of the um americanized voltron defender of the universe so very old school like like the uh, cartoon animated classics yeah. the cartoons of these things so nice. the, and it was the full transformers the movie but then of course my brother and i didn't know how to use a vcr when we were younger so there's bits of like i want to say like ricky lake or some weird like talk show got recorded over some parts so like i never saw the full movie until i was in my 20s well into my 20s but the, between the video gaming uh playing board games at home uh just being kind of an introverted little nerdy kid myself um 
it was i think an inevitability to come into like ttrpg like you were saying but my my whole journey there um was mostly through video games and that was really kind of keeping that up for a long time in my life um just eventually being like no this is a part of me i like this i enjoy these types of things this uh it's really art and after a while if you look at it long enough it's art appreciation in some sense oh yeah for sure um and of course as we get older you know it means a little bit more to us for the nostalgia points too but um it was that probably combination my folks getting us some consoles getting into the classics on the old brick game boy the sega genesis you know other friends in the neighborhood and these kids around the area and we lived on an air force base because my dad was a prior service air force and and so you know just we were lucky it was very very privileged to you know even be able to have a console and so like looking back now you know you never think about like man that love ramen to death and i was eating it like a lot when i was a kid and it's like mac and cheese and hot dogs but damn it i had a sega like (laughs) i I literally just ate peanut butter and jelly for dinner and i like can afford to to eat a real dinner but it's just so good but yeah no i understand like my brother and i we had you know one um nintendo 64 that we had to share and when you have an older brother you know you usually get the raw end of that deal and most of the time we were playing on our 13 inch screen tv you know what i mean trying to <laughs> do the best we can and you know figure out zelda and uh but yeah i mean all of those old school rpgs they really kind of set the foundation for for uh tabletop role-playing games because it, it's easy access right and it's easy f- yeah. to jump into um you know if you can afford a console then it's usually one of those games you play i think back then it was kind of like every game that came out was a game everyone wanted to try if you were into it um, where now yeah. people kind of disseminate like, oh, I only play first person shooters or I only play RPG games or whatever. Um, I f- even now as an adult, I fluctuate between like sports games and RPGs. But yeah, definitely when you're younger, it's just like, okay, yeah, this game's out and try it, see if it's good and go from yep. there. Oh yeah. But those, I mean, those early RPGs, I had Miguel on too. And and we talked about just the restrictions that come with playing a video game. There's so much you can do, especially in a game like The Elder Scrolls, right? Where even yeah. as far back as Oblivion, you can do so much stuff, but there's still so much you can't do. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, you make a great point. And honestly, when you're talking about like Zelda on the 64, I didn't get to see, you know, we got a PlayStation, but we didn't see anything more advanced up until that point. It was the neighbor 64. Mm-hmm. And so like you said a lot of it's what your parents are going to buy you so you have no clue and it's like i never knew like were my parents playing this when we weren't playing this or like when we went to school was my mom playing this or something like i i don't think they gamed too much but like you said like you you get immersed into things that you know somebody's making a choice the first firstly just the game yeah so like we had uh legend of zelda Link's awakening on the game boy and we also had tetris so nice you know very og you know a little puzzler and then some you know really pared down jrpg rpg stuff with legend of zelda and then getting into like you said 64 i had a buddy who had that and when you're that young playing those games, you don't know you're being railroaded like by the video game yeah, because they want you to go, go get this thing, go get this item, use this item to do this thing. Like, and we don't even know, like, well, it's, we're years off from even understanding what railroading means and the concept of like a game space. So it's just been amazing to see, like looking back now, like you said, picking up like uh, the dungeon master's guide and then realizing like, 
like having that wash over you and it's just like all of these game developers <laughs> have been using D and like D like things or art tabletop rpgs or pencil and paper games um text-based games that came out even before graphic games um you know that's been what they used you had to you had to use what things you had in front of you at your disposal and being able to like master an experience with either just like even text-based games or again with like the theater of the mind which is what you do in D D or most tabletop rpgs unless you're using i mean you can use miniatures and all that fun stuff too right. there's so many things nowadays it's almost overwhelming but like it's really amazing to know that that whole decision tree really isn't you making decisions <laughs> it's like just one of one of several types of outcomes that can happen in this game like i played resident evil 3 with a buddy of mine at his place you know late at night scaring the hell out of ourselves and uh but it's like there's only really so much you know you can do you might end up with more bullets at the end of the game than some people but right. like really are you playing a different game everybody's having a very similar experience <laughs> yeah 100 percent. and i mean there really is even you know that's why some of these games get in trouble like mass effect and it's like oh there's x amount of different endings and you know turns out it's all the same ending when <laughs> when you really get down to it <laughs> yeah but yeah i mean there's so much it, it's what makes the game fun you know um in the pathfinder game that i'm running for our friends there's been multiple times when they've just done something completely different than what i expected what i planned and sometimes it makes the encounters easier sometimes it makes the encounters harder sometimes it creates encounters that were never there before um, nice. but you know it's just one of those things and uh, you and i both kind of started our dm journey at the same time you know partially because i prodded you and then and then we kind of took turns running games for our friends but you know what was that experience like to start to start running the game yeah it was daunting to say the least i mean um a lot of people these days like i mean when we're talking about where we are now like this is the year 2021 so if anybody listens like later in you know down the road the matt mercer effect is a thing that comes up when you talk mm, about tabletop yeah. rpgs because a little thing called critical role exists <laughs> right now yeah. in our timeline in this universe so yeah so you get this like weird, overwhelming sense of like expectations. And then what's really cool is seeing like the man himself, like Matt Mercer and other seasoned DMs just saying, don't expect it to be like our table. Every table will be different. Every every group will be different. Everybody's going to have a different play style. Like there will be similarities. Here's some good starting points. And they're willing and so just wonderful that they put so many tools out there for yeah. people to get started because they just want more people to be playing as well yeah and so that has really made it easier for me to transition from player to dm it's inspired me a whole lot more to look at things from the angle of like you know a writer from like a world create you know a world maker everything can have a story everything can get deeper um it's really like taking the rabbit hole and then you get to choose how many you know levels down that it goes and it can go almost infinitely i think that it was a lot of carol my fiance who inspired me to get into it without a doubt i don't think i would have played had she not posted for it and we wouldn't be in our current uh state of relationship if it weren't for me going to play in her game yeah. so um, so is that I'm how sure you, that's becoming more frequent? Right, yeah, no, you're fine. Uh, is that how you got introduced to D and D? And well, I guess you guys played Pathfinder, right? We started with Pathfinder one. Um, it was very chunky, very you know, like very old school D and D because that's where that you know tree branched off. But 
we soon like fifth ed had just come out and it's been out for some time actually not not that super recent but like she had an interest in fifth ed because all of the rumor mill was like it makes it a little easier it's you know quicker to get started yeah um so we kind of converted mid-game and she was willing to actually gift us a lot of uh, i think the group got players handbooks like several of us from her specifically so oh, wow. getting a tool like that too is a very easy way to jump start into things um, it wasn't my first attempt at dnd uh, my first attempt was in taos new mexico in fact okay um, I was uh, living up there, working up there for about five years, um, and in, it was a blast. I was working at this local bank. I was in IT with them for four and a half years, roughly, or four and three quarters of a year. I started as a teller. They found out I had computer experience and IT background, and the IT department snatched me up, and it was just kind of cruising. But uh, the D&D group I tried with the first time, the DM uh, had to go back to California for reasons that um, i don't have full details on but yeah he uh he quickly was like i think let go at his job oh, okay was like oh i guess we should probably like wait for a better opportunity with a better more savory crowd yeah. um <laughs> yeah. but uh i was still determined because like in my mind to approach D finally was kind of like a milestone like i'd been playing video games all my life i played magic the gathering at that point for quite a few years um and to me, I started to examine that whole word, like gamer. I was like, yeah. all right, I'm a gamer. But then I started to realize, like, well, I haven't played, like, really big brain tabletop games. I hadn't played, like, a pen and paper game like D&D. And just being around the crowd, eventually somebody's either playing Pathfinder or D&D right. or something out there. Um, Call of Cthulhu, maybe. Uh, Right. And then so and we're and we're just seeing more board games coming up that started to gain traction. And so I was like, all right, if I'm going to call myself a gamer, I'm going to try every type of game I can get my hands on and definitely have fun with it and try it out. Like, give it an honest try. Say I did it. I never played World of Warcraft before that moment, too. So I jumped into game types that I wasn't about. Like you're saying, people can be like into certain type of game genres. Right. Like I'm definitely an FPS player by nature. I like the fast pace. I like the the fracas. And it's just, you know, exhilarating to me to get in, get out. And it was, you know, a fun time. I But I also had a love for RPGs. And so that was where I was like, okay, I know I can do it. I just got to find the group. And as you know, now I think like some of the hardest things for playing a tabletop RPG is really just getting started. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then that first like couple steps, um, getting the group together, finding a good night, making sure it matches everybody's schedule, getting the jump off. And then once you're going though, um, after I think about, I want to say like in, so far it seems like about four or five sessions like that inertia is hard to slow down yeah um, absolutely and so so for me um it was that kind of switch in my head like i gotta try other types of gaming before i can call myself like a full-on gamer yeah and like you said with that inertia i mean it really once players start to get invested in their character that they made and you know the dm or gm is invested in their story that they're creating with the players it's like okay guys like let's i know we couldn't make it this week but let's make sure we make it next week so we can you know get to this next part and you know once you start leveling up that's always a huge like fun thing for people so it definitely creates that uh momentum was there anything in particular that kept you from playing tabletop role-playing games earlier on in your life or was it just lack of access to it or 
think it was a multitude of things i feel and what's really unique about like i think some of the you know like you said miguel was already on what's unique about this is that we uh shared experiences with like our high school experience right. in some ways obviously it was different perspectives and we all had our own kind of you know ways about us but yeah. with our friend group you know there was a certain air of I wouldn't go so far as saying like toxic masculinity because that would be going way beyond the pale of what it was. I think there was a certain machismo to the high school male experience in New Mexico mm -hmm. that I don't know if many people escape from, but also I think in part also that like access, like you said, yeah. um, there was already a lack of like people nerding out beyond like video games there was already just kind of barely like a lot of people who were willing to give up time to play a video game like with the group stuff yeah and there was like a niche little pockets of us at uh los Lunas high school that <clears throat> were playing like halo in groups of more than like four people right we were doing like smaller little uh garage tournaments and yeah trying to land parties kind of yeah yeah exactly well and of course that wasn't even the first type of land party so we're even like a little younger than some of the older dudes who were doing pc land parties right. obviously that led to xbox and other things like that to be able to accomplish it but yeah it was definitely the lack of exposure yeah and then mixture with like you know the hormones of the youth at the time like i mean if there was like a club at the school there probably would have been a higher probability of me trying it out yeah um or if there even if it was a tabletop club not necessarily specifically DD &D or like an rtt rpg but um i feel like that helps a lot more but even after i got into college it was again more about like what's going on at school you know all the other young idiotic things you could be doing right. <laughs> so once you're trying to find the space it's like the video game is easy to boot up log in get on and then and then play a few rounds and then crash out <laughs> and i mean and there's a certain anonymity to playing video games too in the sense of like if you don't want to be involved in the online community you don't have to you know, you're in the comfort of your own home, you're playing, whether it's by yourself or with friends, but nobody really knows outside of those people that are involved in it. And D&D &D and tabletop games in general have, you can have a similar thing, but it's scarier to go out and say like, hey, do you play Pathfinder or D&D? &D? You know what I mean? Or as opposed to like, oh, here's my username for Xbox Live. It's kind of more widely accepted um mm -hmm. and especially like you were saying where we where we grew up is definitely a product of our environment of i agree there probably it was at least a surface level of toxic masculinity involved right but there's also but it's like baseline was machismo like you know if you don't act this way then you're you're gay or whatever and yeah. which is completely terrible but it was how the social system was ran in high school yep. when we grew up and now we're in our thirties, but, but yeah. And so you had those people that were like full on just gorilla idiots. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that aspect of it always kind of, I think played in people's heads. And so you have that kind of just like shut it down, stay quiet. Don't talk about it. Don't bring it up. Don't give anybody a reason to single you out for this. Yeah. And I mean, I think it would have been cool if there were, groups but I also much the same way that some people are now dealing with online bullying i think there probably would have been some kind of aspect of that for a group that revolved around tabletop rpgs unfortunately yeah i think uh 
just because you know again being from a small town and when like the football team and like the wrestling team kind of runs the like status quo yeah i mean i was already immersed in that team so i know that miguel was there for a while yeah. i know you did it for a, a spell too in like middle school i think and then so i want to say like freshman year you were there too but like yeah i backed um, out of wrestling once i got into high school but i was still in sports yeah 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 and, you, and exactly so like depending on the sport you were in there was almost like its own social cast in there right. as well so like i had to like already like deal with all of the nonsense because like wrestling was like a, and if for anybody who was listening in los Lunas, new mexico like for there was like a 30-year span under coach tom torres where it was like the dynasty of wrestling was central new mexico from los Angeles. for some reason it's kind of like the ja- the jackson winklevoss like jackson's gym of like mma for albuquerque yeah. and like brazil are like the most dangerous places on the planet for some reason but then it's like los lunas new mexico was like wrestling mecca for like that 30 year period and like we were on the tail end of it so i still saw like state champ level dudes yeah and that was it you got in there and and it was the only martial art available at the school. So there wasn't like other martial arts where it was like a point product kind of thing, like boxing or like a karate or anything like that, where it was like, this has a little bit more finesse. No, it was like literally go in and like bend somebody to your will kind of stuff. And so that's what you deal with. And so being a nerd, you know, and, and, and trying to, you know, balance that out. I mean, I enjoyed it for the sake of the sport. It was great exercise, obviously, but like there was just like, you want, there was a whole nother echelon of, I want to say this nicely uh, <laughs> personality types that were yeah. there and uh and i had to find and navigate my way it was oh it was the weirdest thing because like i used to, you could say like you draw on some of those skills when you end up in certain situations another guy who was like a brother to us all like you know in part of our group too like where you just like end up in a situation you would rather not be in but like sometimes you just end up in that decision tree and it's like well I, I tried everything i could to get out of this but now we're here we are in the locker room or the bathroom and like there's all these seniors that expect you to throw down with somebody and then like there was also other issues with like other people who will remain unnamed that where it's like we're on the same wrestling team like why on yeah. earth is there infighting why and why about, do i have to yeah. deal with like this mess of people you know when you're when you have two coaches that have to separate you from another dude who's just like think you would be like eating rocks or something like and it's yeah. like dude we're on the same team we're practicing like and now you're mad because i threw you in a move like why are you in this wrestling room like yeah, that's the whole how point. are you surprised by this <laughs> like oh he threw me in this move and like it hurt or i got mad and it's like we're supposed to practice like we're on the map but whatever so again it's it's like you draw on those things it's like i'm trying and trying and trying to not have to get to the point and it's like sometimes you're like well I guess this is now like, you know, it feels like a scripted kind of like action sequence where it's just like, you know, now I'm in it and I have to live this for like whatever amount of time it goes. Right. For. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I mean, and not to dwell on it, but I mean, that was fights in that school were always kind of dangerous because there really wasn't a way out of it. And a lot of times people just ended up getting jumped win, lose or draw. Yeah. And it's just like to know that that was always a possibility. You really had to you know, either be on your game or like make sure you always had somebody with you or what, like it just created this whole different aspect of it. But I mean, it's just such a shitty way to live, you know, thankfully we're, we're well past that now, but it's still, I think a lot of those things still inform how we definitely how we grow and how we get to where we are, whether it's delaying that process or speeding up that process in some cases, whatever it is. I think a lot of that stuff you know, it, it sits with you. It, it's hard for it not to whenever yeah. that's a, such a formative part of your life that now you have like, okay, well, these things happened and 
whether it created trauma or not, like it still informs how I look at the world um, yeah. moving forward. So hundred percent. No, you nailed it. And, um, and for me, I think it had accelerated certain parts for sure, because um, I, I think that community building has been a component of things that I like have just interested me quite a bit. And whether it's a video game or esports or like D and D um, to me, that's what really like drove me to say like, no, this can be a more enjoyable way, you know, to move through life. Like it shouldn't, shouldn't have to feel like those things, like you said, like, um, growing up anywhere in this country, obviously there's different flavors of like our whole, um, experience that is life, even in this country that varies from city to city, town to town, state to state. But, you know, the more that we can get people to be on board with the idea of just creating like those spaces where all people are welcome. And like, it, like to me, that's what really drives involvement. Like if you're yeah. not involved, like you won't see the change. And so like not only becoming a and d player or TTRPG player for myself, like to enjoy it, but like also to prove that like there's nothing wrong with it. It's something fun to be had, something to enjoy and things that you can put your own spin on and really get creative. Um, and there's just been proof in the pudding for so much time that like people who play things like D and D and can have those outlets and, and work through things um, that it benefits them. And even like you said, uh, trauma earlier, they found that like, there's a lot of good healing that can come around a D and D table or even just some TTRPG game where you can let somebody express themselves where otherwise they wouldn't feel like they could express themselves in a more open way. And so to me, that it seems to be like everything. Like I know that, you know, even my younger brother and I didn't see eye to eye and didn't vibe like when we were super young and in school, but like now him and I, we both play magic. I haven't gotten him to play D and D just yet. I'm working on it, but like, <laughs> but his uh, fiance is interested and he's playing magic with her and stuff. So I'm like, I know he's that close now. Like yeah. he's orbiting, oh, yeah. orbiting that nerdiness. And I'm just like, Hey man, like let's try it out and let's see like, you know, if you're interested or whatever. And to me, um, you know, again, it's, 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 it's just an opportunity to let people realize that they can let their guard down and, and be themselves. Um, whether, like you said, like in Las Lunas in New Mexico, tiny little, like it's just South of enough from the city to be rural. Yeah, <laughs> so for sure. like you said, uh, being an effeminate male or being, you know, even gay, uh, there were, you know, several students that we had in our class in our graduating class that, we didn't know until years later that, you know, uh, we're able to be themselves fully and, you know, come out of the closet. Some of them are very surprising too. Yeah. And, and, and again, it's like, you know, to know that, that a lot of us were kind of shrouded and we could have known a more realized version of somebody is certainly like something where I'm like, man, like, that have been cool to know that this person was into xyz or if that person was also a gamer or like i had no idea that i had a buddy who was like big into like sci-fi or like uh, fantasy fiction or like things like that because you know again like like for me also surprising enough that this is i know a little a bit of an aside but like i didn't realize how many kids from the skater group like hunted and i was like what is this overlap in this group specifically to like outdoorsmen's you know activities and i'm like because i grew up 
you know, hunting and fishing with my dad because we lived in Louisiana and he's old school New Mexican yeah. where you literally had to like fill the freezer, you know, with deer or elk every once in a while because it was like, well, we're definitely not going to go buy steaks. Right. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that was definitely interesting. So again, like seeing like all of these different sides to folks, I feel like it would have been a much more rich experience um, and a lot less uh, daunting to try to move through that without being myself in a certain way. Yeah, no, definitely. I think, and I mean, hopefully now it seems like at least kids that are, you know, younger, high school, middle school, even, it seems like it's more acceptable in their groups, at least, um, depending on probably where you live, I'm sure. Florida, I'm sure it's never going to change, but uh, <laughs> they're like, uh, no, we're not doing critical race theory. I'm sorry. Oh. But yeah, but uh, anyway, <laughs> my point being, yeah. but you know, these, you know, these kids now um, are you know, 10, 11, 12, like knowing that they're gay, bisexual, whatever, like knowing that they don't feel comfortable in their own skin and willing to talk about it with people. And of course that's not the same for everybody. And I, you know, I'm speaking from this from a cisgender male perspective, like I can only speak on it so much, but I am, I, I enjoy seeing people, like you said, live the life that they should live because of that's, who they really are and that's what's going to make them happy. I think that's important, you know, and a lot of that stuff, I mean, that's the whole point of this podcast or one of the points of this podcast is just like, you know, my life was very much grounded in, you know, growing up in a place where machismo was so important, growing up in a place where I was one of five black kids and I was told how I was supposed to look, act, be, talk, all that stuff because you know, I had a white mother, single mom, and I was just trying to be me and people were offended that I wasn't somebody else. And you have that pressure, especially as a young kid of, well, do I change it? Am I not, am I being a person I'm not supposed to be, whatever it is. And I think a lot of people go through that, maybe not to the same extent or the same level, but I think there's definitely that, you know, finding yourself. And as an adult, it gets a little bit easier. But uh, even now, there's still a lot of times I was telling Miguel, like, I, I mean, I still don't talk to everybody about D&D. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm still yeah, like, hey. I'm like, oh, you clearly don't, uh, you don't seem like a person I like this. But I'm still making that same judgment call that somebody's making when they look at me and they see, you know, a guy that's pretty fit and doesn't look like a regular nerd and saying, oh, there's no way this guy does X, Y, Z. So. It's right and then now there's like joe manganello out there exactly where you're like wait yeah. a minute yeah. that was a <laughs> the buffest, the buffest dude of yeah. all time and he has been like running the train forward of like just here we are we're all nerds yeah, yeah but then <laughs> you go like, like see some of those <laughs> yeah exactly but you go see some of those like celebrity D games and there's a bunch of people that you would just never expect oh, yeah. um but i think that's important right because it's said all the time and i know at this point it's almost like a a buzzword but like representation matters Mm -hmm. and people when they see somebody that looks like them or you know in some way represents what they go through in life doing something that they wish they could do it helps get to that point to where they can say okay yeah i you know i can try it then because you know 
Joe Manginell is a jock and look at him. Like he's, he's having a great time. <laughs> he's married to Sophia Vergara yeah. and he plays D in D&D. his basement at his giant mansion in Beverly Hills or wherever they live. Yeah. I'm not sure where they live, but dude, if you haven't seen those pictures and you're listening to this, go Google Joe Manganiello's D and D dungeon. It's, it's on an old wine cellar and it's beautiful. Yeah. It's an amazing setup. Like I think anybody would love to have, <laughs> uh, I think you nailed it. I want to just come back to the, what you said earlier about representation. Like we're at this point, point in society uh, and again i kind of like to talk for people who maybe who may discover this at, at who knows what point in history but right now in north america specifically the united states you know we've just left like i'm we're older millennials i think technically yeah. like if they were to look at that we're like you said in our early 30s um we grew up again where there was a lot of pushback and a lot of like you know throwing around like like sexual orientation slurs things mm-hmm. like that was just like literally like normal lexicon oh, that yeah. came out of your mouth like oh that's whatever and you would just say you know the word gay and say saying that's stupid and it was a bad way it was just a really negative way of saying something but representation like you said we're as humans our brain like that lizard brain of ours is just like when we see the like similarities like quickly like that's what like gets us going and it's like you said when we see somebody that you know we identify with however we identify and again like it it's that innate thing inside it's like i can do it too like it's that almost like permission that you feel yeah it's like it's it's that it's that go ahead like when we're younger we don't get that a lot and when especially like you know you're living at home or you know and you have like certain upbringings like in this time frame like we were you know early 2000s uh late 90s kids and so we didn't see this rollover like you were mentioning earlier where kids are encouraged to be able to speak themselves and speak outwardly and, and, and really work through, you know, who they are, um, where we were just like, boys don't cry, you know, (laughs) guys being dudes, dudes being bros kind of level stuff. And, and really what matters is I think honestly, something we haven't said yet is like, it's about happiness. Yeah. You know, it's the pursuit of happiness and it's like, you know what, man, like there's three little rules for me. Like, don't hurt the innocent. Like, first and foremost don't hurt yourself and don't hurt others like i mean if you're doing those three things in life like you're doing all right out there yeah. and and if you're trying to do something to be happy you're gonna watch anime you're gonna play D D. you're gonna play magic the gathering you're gonna play minecraft these are all things that have the ability and potential to have beautiful and amazing communities and which do currently are and by the way all of those things i mentioned like the communities around a lot of these things are in a state of growth and it's been amazing to see that finally start to kind of really take off like you said though like in our adult lives um, depending on your industry, yeah, <laughs> depending yeah, on true. where you work and what you're doing, maybe it's still a little, like you said, stigmatized, uh, yeah. stigmatized to a certain extent. Cause it's like, what are you going to do on your day? I was like, Hey, let's go to like the microbrew or let's go to whatever. Or we're going to go play golf. Like, you know, man, like I have this thing, like you said, you play sports games, like, like games, like video games that are sports video games. Yeah. For me, I always had this weird mental block where I'm like, if I can go do it, irl in real life like i'm gonna go try it there if i if i have the choice i'm like i'm gonna play games where it's like i'm gonna be master chief or some crazy you know adventure somewhere in some planet that doesn't exist because to me that's that's where the entertainment value lies and that's where i think i have the most fun but like yeah i'm like you know everybody's like why didn't you get big into madden or like i was like i played madden on sega when it was three buttons like dude i tried playing madden on like a playstation 
three and i'm like there's way too many buttons involved yeah. here, man. i want to pass i want to run call an audible and like maybe <laughs> do a fake kick a fake field goal like i'm like what yeah is going on in this game juke stick no man i can't i know oh, i got you to play like <laughs> half a season or so of madden i think yeah yeah that's right yeah. oh man it's rough but it was yeah. not good for i mean me, but see but yeah. I'm, I'm trash at basketball so like i'm not gonna go outside and play basketball <laughs> but i'll play 2k even though they're a shitty company but there's the only hey, good basketball like, game out there but like if there was like pickup games and people were cool like i would go play crappy basketball with people because dude i was never good yeah. at basketball like yeah that's there's fair. some multi-sport athletes that were just like like super talented at everything in our in our growing up phase and i was just like like put ball on the net like this is not me man i can't do it <laughs> well, you kind of point to something like it, it, and i didn't really even think about it but it's a, a similar very similar thing of just like this is something that you know there's however many millions of basketball fans and however many millions of them that can't play very well right some of them probably go and play pickup games and just like whatever i'm just as long as i'm having fun i don't care if i'm good but there's probably some people that are still like i'm not good at it and I don't want to be like maybe the community I live in, like everybody is great and I'm not going to go embarrass myself or everybody there is an asshole and they'll make fun of you if you're not good, whatever the case is, or there's none of the things will happen, but you think it's going to happen. You create that kind of anxiety about it. So it, it's a very similar situation. I do want to go back to, because I kind of alluded to it at the beginning and we've been talking about community, you started some stuff with tabletop rpgs where you work can you kind of go in to that and explain what you did there and kind of what you do i mean if you're okay with that yeah and actually um where i work so for background for folks too because i didn't go really in depth at the beginning too is uh, i'm at the university of new mexico i'm a technical analyst uh, level two it basically i make sure you know that where it broke it's broken and we can get a fix in place and you know we're making sure that the software hardware things like that are working it's it's it support um the other thing i do is i'm the staff advisor for unm esports and there was another little club that started with another advisor and i forget the doctor's name i'll have to go look it up but they um were a tabletop they're called the tabletop tavern and i was encouraging them to pick up like the magic the gathering group and then like we wanted to make some like connections with unm esports and tabletop because there's just so many like connections between those gamers and i knew i was one of them so i'm like if i'm doing this now i know these younger students and younger adults are definitely a part of the group they're a part of that generation where it's kind of funny it's like multi-sport athletes but now you have like multi like platform nerds yeah, like yeah, we're, sure. we're like like i was saying earlier like i want to be a gamer i'm gonna game on everything right um but what was really cool is they gave me an opportunity to help at the beginning of the pandemic um with teaching um people how to play DD online using like discord using like you know kind of more minimal stuff uh, more theater of the mind because i wanted to do just kind of a webcam setup and stuff like that yeah and we got to use DD beyond uh teach people how to roll up characters and so a lot of times i was inviting students who never had rolled up a character before um and then we would run a one shot every other friday um so that was super awesome to get involved with the students that do tabletop tavern their previous president and i think current co-president uh daisy um, has been an immense force in that space to attract students to just be there have fun again make a community space where they have 
you know friends suddenly during that time in their lives for students um and one of the one of my favorite stories that i it just like hits home every time i think about it and tell it uh for esports specifically which i've seen now also for the tabletop tavern students is that there was a student who came to us once and and just straight up told me like i moved to new mexico to go to school and i didn't know anybody had no friends didn't know anybody and then suddenly i joined the unm esports discord and i had 150 other people who were into games just like me oh yeah and and so like creating this just even the the shell of the space the discord server that has a space for people to go chat about a game you know that was where i was like you guys need to have a discord server you guys (laughs) need to have a space and then obviously a lot of them again these kids all know what's going on we're the ones who have to play catch up sometimes so they were naturally into it they started doing like game nights i think they used they used to play things like even like um jackbox games and then among us came out which was like another kind of little uh like powerhouse of a um, a viral hit for games recently yeah. in the pandemic especially uh but yeah it was um it was really cool to be, you know, a little helpful in getting some people into their first character, getting them to experience like the steps to enter into that game the first time. And like the questions the like that you get, like it, it helps me develop as a player to realize like, well, hey, let's look it up. And and to be OK with like doing that, I think helps a lot of young minds realize that you know even though i'm like technically the adults in the room which is whack i know it's to super me. Weird. i was like this is, <laughs> this is i'm like nobody should give me like you know i why am i making decisions and so yeah. um being the adults in the room and like running D stuff but like to to show them that it's okay to be like let's go find out you know i don't know let's find out or let me find that out for you like you know we don't have to have all the answers and i think that was something that i took away and i'm hoping that what the students take away is that it's like it's okay to just jump right into something and be like completely new at it at any point in your life yeah definitely i i mean i think it's really cool you know and hopefully with this podcast we can grow it to the point where there is a discord people can find you know other players to play with and new systems and because i mean we talk about D &D a lot and i've said this before but D&D is the Kleenex of tabletop role-playing games. You know what I mean? Like people understand, they know that name. They don't know Pathfinder as much. They don't, you know, probably don't know Call of Cthulhu. They probably don't know Delta Green or that the Witcher game has an RPG. I didn't learn that until recently. Um, Yeah, Cyberpunk was based on a TTRPG too. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, And so all of those things are basically just different pages in the same book. A lot of people don't realize that. So D and D is the easy kind of way to get people into it. It's the what's the word when they always talk about like you're not gonna say like gateway. Yes, I was. Yeah, it's the gateway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's the gateway, it's the gateway, gateway game. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, we we'll say yeah, we can say that. Yeah, too, the gateway it's drug cool. to uh, tabletop uh, RPGs. Not apropos. Right. <laughs> yeah. By the way, if you do play tabletop RPGs, you will have a dice problem. That's almost yeah. like a hand-in-hand thing. For sure. So, I yeah. mean, if you don't have dice right now, you'll have plenty of dice after you. Even get if you don't need them, RPG. yeah. I know. Yeah, no, these just look cool, man. Yeah, like, <laughs> but yeah, it's tough, dude. You're on the other side of town where where slicing dice is. If I was closer to slicing dice, I think I'd have more metal dice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, thankfully, you know, the <laughs> pandemic probably saved me from that because I just didn't go out for so long. Right. But I mean, even the pandemic kind of shaped the way that. I play now. 
I play with a group of two people still for my uh, Pathfinder 2e game, and we do it all remote, you know, and I have $300 worth of books because I got some for Christmas and then just kind of went apeshit after that. But, uh, and I love the physical copies, but PDFs are so helpful. And a lot of, um, I think pretty much every game developer makes a PDF version that you can get as well. And I mean, on the record, like I love Paizo, the creators of Pathfinder. I, I think they're an amazing company. I think the products they make are great. Pathfinder 2E is a wonderful system. D&D, having D&D beyond is such an amazing tool. It's so easy. Like I was trying to convince my <laughs> wife and Miguel's wife to play d and I'm like, you guys just have to try it one day. And maybe one day I'll get them to do it maybe on podcasts and it'll be amazing, but, or oh man, <laughs> I'll get ripped a lot. But, um, but they're like, my wife's like, it's not that I don't want to play. She's like, I just don't want to take the time to learn it. I'm like, I could literally do everything for you. You tell me what kind of player you want to play. Do you want to swing a sword or shoot, shoot spells? She's like, I want to shoot spells. Yeah. I'm like, okay, done. Like I can make the character. I can make it all. And then we just go and play and you tell me what you're going to do. Yeah. We, when you tell a player, you can do anything uh, with the asterisk right at the end. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, exactly. Because I mean, you know, my thinking is like we were saying, it goes to that RPG setting of like, I can't, you know, when you want to climb a mountain in Skyrim, you have to like run at an angle and jump sideways and get your horse. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? You can't just roll a climb check and start moving up the mountain. So, yeah, you know, but there's always, there's rules for all of this stuff and it's, it's so much easier to, even if there's not technically a rule for it, you just talk to your DM and say, Hey, this is what I want to do. And then they just make a ruling I'm like, all right, well, we'll do it this way. It's going to be yeah. this hard or whatever. And you roll what's called a difficulty check. And if you roll high enough, you make, you succeed. Maybe you fail, but maybe you fell forward and, you know, or you require help or whatever it is, but it doesn't mean that's necessarily impossible. And I think that that is such a cool aspect of those games that just like having that creativity to just do whatever you want. But Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, I think to that end, just having that community and, and knowing there's people around like without when I first started when we were talking about it, I thought it was just going to be myself, Miguel and your fiance and you running the game. And then you started bringing yeah. in more people and my social anxiety is like, ah, I don't know if I can commit to making new friends. And now, <laughs> you know, Cree is a part of my Pathfinder game. Um, you know, and, and when Caitlin was a part of it, like I was like we would send each other writing and, and help edit stuff. And, you know, oh, what yeah. I mean? like, and Charles has always been great. And so it's just, you make friends out of it, you know, and, and I'm a big, big introvert. Yeah. And I mean, having something that I'm so passionate about having friends around that has been such a fantastic experience. Yeah. I was, uh, I was definitely worried about the size it was growing <laughs> to when we, <laughs> when we were, uh, jumping into that first, um, adventure that i was running and that uh that poor dungeon crawl <laughs> but uh <clears throat> but i mean and i'm sure you know and, and whatever conversations everybody else had had about it i'm like i i knew one thing like i knew that playing games to me is fun i knew like you were saying it was a great example you used about like when you play a game and you want to move around in it like even traversing a mountain it's like i know that there's little paths that they right. put on this thing but I also know that I can break something and I can kind of do it this way and kind of get around it. But with, with D and D the dice can throw that chaos into the and whole process. Like, you know, you can be in the apps every time. And so for me, I was kind of like, 
I want to take this at like a very sideways approach. Like everybody's like, Oh, you usually do like a meetup. It's like, Oh, you're in a tavern. And I'm like, cool. You guys are already posted up outside this dungeon. You got some info from somebody in the camp that like, and it's like, what? And it's like, yeah, we're going in a dungeon now. Like, and so I had all kinds of worries about doing it that way. And then at the end of the day, like, again, watching some of the DMS that were out there, they're like, there's no right way to do this. There's no, right timing there's no right way you're gonna miss on like you know remembering somebody's name you're gonna forget the npc does this you're like but everybody there around it helps it to be something a little more and so even like you know with kaylin kind of being in and out of the game and then like you know charles his experience really lended you know lends a lot to like how things can be approached so that you're not exactly going to get stuck which was super helpful in a lot of places and ways um but you know knowing that everybody was aligned in the one component of just wanting to play and 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 have an adventure and do this kind of thing was super cool you know uh when i met kree i never thought i was gonna like really have like a regular occurring thing with like this cosplayer from new mexico that i met on this like one random uh comic-con or i think it was las cruces comic-con or game con and I'm like, and now I'm like DMing this person in this game that I'm pretty much, I feel like I was like, you know, failing at constantly. But again, like re- reminding myself that what's cool about tabletop RPGs is that you're telling a story together. And, and that to me, reminding myself that like letting you guys do whatever you wanted and having fun and letting you guys fail or letting you guys succeed, not letting yeah. you, sorry, like when the successes happen and when like everything works out, it can be done in different ways and it can get creative, but really it's just everybody's, you know, we, like you said, the DM acts as that guide. You look for that ruling or you want to do something like the DMs there to help that out. It's the players that are kind of really painting on the canvas and like we're kind of just as dms just giving the structure to it in a very loose way where it's like you know i don't know how vivid your dreams are if you do have vivid dreams but like for those of you experience it like it's like having that like moment in a dream where you're kind of like things look amorphous but like your mind has a few more seconds and then like things start to take shape and then it's like now things look familiar or they feel familiar um just using adjectives you've like never used in like regular conversations like random then you know to describe something was super fun and so for me um you know like you said like having people around the table uh was i was worried too so you definitely weren't the only one in that boat of worry because i was like okay crap now i got like now there's six of us or something and i'm like oh man and what have i done and so that that in and of itself was, I think, a really cool experience and to, you know, one that I want to get back to um, in pretty short order. And I think that everybody who plays a TTRPG in their life um, will kind of, I don't know if it's commiserate, but they'll definitely understand. Like once you, it's like, it's almost like tattoos. Like you play in a game and then you're like, yeah, I think this is, this is yeah. it. like, you know, this is definitely yeah. super cool and super fun. And the next step, like you were saying, is now finding more people and also creating a space where people can come into it and and are if they even have a little bit of interest it's like well cool we can make this easy like let's do the easy part first and then later if you want to start trying to be a min maxer or like go crazy like you can watch videos on it you can find a lot of resources out there and almost infinite amount of resources thanks to youtube and other things that exist at this moment in time but at the end of the day it's like it's several people getting around hanging out together escaping from you know 
reality to a certain degree but also like again it's really just mostly about that camaraderie i feel like we as humans have this like inner pulling and oftentimes you know whether it's going to a place or somewhere on the planet um it's it's to other people more so than that and and those experiences that we create with other people are the richest memories that we start to kind of really you know parse and put away and to me even though like i you know i feel like i might have ruined it 10 ways to sunday without you know with the dungeon crawl and then uh of course you know other things you know game start games end things like that but i still loved every moment of that and i still look back on it fondly and to me it, you know it, just that part of it means that to me it was a yeah. great success and you know makes me want to do it again makes me want to be a part of that yeah for sure and i mean and for the record i think you did a great job I, and, and it is difficult like it was your first time really doing it i mean you weren't there for my first couple sessions dming because you had gotten busy and so i just started doing a one shot and my one shot was 20 years back when the war started in the world that mm-hmm. we were already playing in. And so I'm yeah. thinking, all right, I'll do this one shot. I'll have the city get attacked. You know, they'll be the heroes. They'll go fight all these people. I think I made them like third level and it starts and they're all like, okay, we're all kind of a little bit evil characters. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and then they get attacked by these assassins and they kill the assassins. And I'm like, all right, so you hear fighting going on at, at the front of your city, like the city you guys live in, you reside here, you have jobs here. They're like, yeah, we're going to run. You're running. It's not going to be easy to get out of the city. And so it turned into a whole other thing. And it's important when there's a lot of important things to do as a GM. I don't consider myself an expert. I'm not going to try to give expert advice, but I know that things you should always try to do is, you know, let the players do what they want to an extent, obviously ground it in rules and, and dice rolls, but let them have fun and try to improvise as much as you can and just roll with it. And then just make sure like check in like, Hey guys, are you having fun? And just try to avoid railroading them. So I could have just said like, okay, here's, you know, this massive army, you're never going to defeat them. Go to the front where I want you to fight. Instead, I just said, all right, I'll let you go, but you're going to have to get there first. And it turned into a really fun situation. And as it went on, you know, other people started joining the game. And so we kind of had some different stuff. And, you know, one of our last sessions, you guys ended up fighting a young dragon in a cave that had just killed a Cyclops, I think it was. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Cyclops. You know, and it's just, (laughs) I, I think you never really know. And I think anybody who's ever been a dungeon master or a game master, like, you know, your players are never going to do what you expect them to do. So you just have to be ready to roll with it and, you know, figure out, okay. So a lot of times, like even when I prep for a game, I'm, you know, have at least, all right, here's a map of the encounter, you know, kind of set up some items and stuff. But for the most part, I'm just like, all right, I have an idea of what I want to do. And we'll see if they go in that direction and then kind of go from there. And so far it's worked. Sometimes I have to like, okay, Let's go take a 15 minute break. I have to make a battle map now because you did something I <laughs> did not plan on you doing at all. <laughs> so yeah, I need to go roll up an NPC <laughs> and make sure that like this interaction has like some sense to it. Maybe like, I mean, and then oftentimes it's like, this doesn't make any yeah. sense. Like puzzle puzzles and games. I'm like people, the, the mind for having like a puzzle or like certain things happening. Yeah. Being able to be agile is certainly like you like 100 i'll agree there every time and improv 
I can see why now like a lot of voice actors or mm. like even actors and people are into this because like taking take an improv class or or just even even if you were to watch something that was like improv right. based, like whose line is it anyway? Like you want to talk about some of the most agile and like genius minds out there, go watch Wayne Brady and Colin mockery, make a song about like out of yeah. thin air and then go like, but now do that in a right. D and D game. Yeah. <laughs> like, and so, so be able to like, just go, you know what? Okay. They're doing this. Now I got to like, yeah, there's so many cool things. There was like this great book. I think we talked about it once before too. I think it was like the lazy DMs guide or something. And it's like, here, prep in 15 minutes. Or if you have 60 minutes, here's how you prep. If you have five yeah. minutes, here's how you prep. Here's, you know, they're like, get three, you know, three possible, you know, things going on from where you are. Here's a handful of NPCs. Like, here's some loot. And then like, you know, and go for it. Like, they're going to, like you said, the group will decide. They'll make their choices. But and we then can kind of create that that framework again that 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 kind of dreamscape and then they just fill it and you know being able to describe it and then world build um is super fun in its own right and so you know there are people i think who would prefer to sit in like the dm or, D, or the gm role but i think all of us like have that craving to get a little bit of like you know oh, yeah. both yeah. sometimes because because again, it's it, it's fun to play in a game and have a character do cool things and have like somebody describe it to you. Like sometimes, like I think one of my f- big things that I was really trying to work on was like uh, making the fights like you know feel a little bit more cinematic mm-hmm. or epic. Like and trying to you know trying to really um, just give like everything a little bit more of a fleshed yeah. out feel, which is it tough is. to do. Like, and again, like you said, tackling it from any angle. Um, I'm still terrified at, at trying to build a one shot in cyberpunk red because it's like, there's guns oh, yeah. and I'm like, in D, it's one thing or in like a fantasy realm it's one thing when you have like you know martial weapons and like spells and it's like cool well, spells work like this oh thanks that's awesome it's like well what about this thing that has like 20 rounds in it <laughs> or more if it's like an lmg yeah. and, it's like, and then i think this could be a i think mess. They use the <laughs> system that the witcher does to an extent obviously it's different because it's you're talking sci-fi versus fantasy but even the rules right. in the witcher it's like okay roll the hit and then you hit now roll for which body part you hit. And then did you make it through <laughs> their damage reduction on their armor? And then how many points are left? You know, and it's just like, <sighs> it's a little crunchy oh, yeah. as, as they, the term they use, but, but it still looks like so much fun. I mean, especially like if you can get a group of people who are familiar with, you know, those games and at least, you're, you know, oh, we're yeah. all not going to complain that we get to roll more dice that we spent our hard earned money on. <laughs> but, uh, but it's not, a, it's definitely <laughs> not a, like, I wouldn't consider it an entry-level game you know what i mean i think it would take some major commitment from somebody to go wait what i have to do this now this one and this one and then add all those numbers up and math and math sucks and so there are a ton of games out there um are are there any specific games i I guess cyberpunk red probably one of them but any other kind of games that you're still hoping to to play at some point Oh, well, definitely uh, Pathfinder 2E, because like I said, I when I was first trying to get in, Carol started with Pathfinder 1, and so it was, like you said, it was, uh, it was yeah. crunchy. <laughs> and so, uh, but that was supposed to be built, I think Pathfinder 1 was D&D 3, 3.5 yeah. or something. Yeah, so, I mean, it was just like, we're talking when math was like, you know, hey, you get to get your notepad out, and then like, let's... Oh, like, yeah. all right here we go let's work through it all you got a um, 36 to hit and you're just like shit <laughs> i 
let's see if this works real quick because like i said this is a virtual mm-hmm. webcam thing's kind of weird but i'm going to show you something i got my brother my brother's uh future in-laws his mo- future mother-in-law works at like um oh gosh what is the called the facility it's basically like um a retirement facility okay say. and if people don't have next of kin then they have a thrift store that they sell off you know people's belongings in well if um she happened to know that i was into like tabletop rgs so i'm gonna show you this so i don't know if it's gonna let me do this and i might have to turn off like the virtual component of this thing but there is a diceless rpg system oh wow called called amber and uh and it has an expansion module shadow knight so yeah so these were diceless rpg mod like games that somebody made it's called amber so i'm like okay so really like this is like pretend like literally yeah. like, play, play pretend like, like i mean we're already I don't, like, playing like i know we're already like, playing make-believe yeah like, legit just like hey let's go out in the backyard and play like yeah cops and robbers man like let's yeah. go like pick up a stick but uh i mean not to bag on larping because i would honestly i'd like to try larping dude like no like as the kids say no cap i would totally like <laughs> i would i would show up at a larping thing now that the pandemic like if people are vaxxed up like i'm sure yeah, these nerds know i'm sure vaccinated they are yeah. too. but uh i also got my hands on some ad and d stuff oh wow yeah so and these are like physical copy like and then ravenloft too so i'm Heck like yeah one of these days i'll have we'll have to get together this is second e stuff man so i think um the first time i ever heard of D D, one of uh one of the kids we went to school with his dad had like the red box which for the uninitiated is like original dungeons and dragons and oh yeah i was like what is this because i i mean i've always been a fantasy fiction reader um he's like oh yeah it's D and i'm like oh what's that and he's he's like oh you know we go through a dungeon and you know my dad will be the dungeon master and he'll kind of like set traps and We'll have to fight monsters, and I'm like, why are we not playing this right now? And we never ended up playing it. And it's just one of those kind of things that stuck with me that memory. But yeah, I mean, it's definitely come a long way. It's a lot more accessible now. Even Pathfinder 2e is much more accessible to people, I think, in my opinion, to the first edition Pathfinder. I really love it. I mean, the, once you understand the rules and you get away from your D&D fifth edition mindset, it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, I got it now. And, you know, but it still flows the same and still have a great time. There's different names for some of the different ancestries, as they're called in uh, Pathfinder, because that's, you know, more politically conscious than races, I guess. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> as Dungeons and Dragons still uses. But but there's a lot of things. I mean, D&D, there's been a lot of struggles when it comes to representation. Yes, there are some character arts in the book that show people of color, but it's usually pretty few and far between. And a lot of people don't feel like it's a game for them because of their ethnicity. Um, There's a really great podcast out there called uh, Three Black Halflings. And um, they actually, it's basically every episode is essentially talking about this to some extent of, you know, how initially how black people are not represented in D&D and some of the ideas that created that system. But they also talk about like, they bring in people um, who talk about disabilities in mm-hmm. tabletop RPGs and gender and all those things. So anyway, my point being Pathfinder kind of went the other direction. The world is set up similarly to our world. So there's like in Africa, there's like in Asia and okay. all these different places. And they use the term ancestries as opposed to races. And and so there's a lot more like where somebody's like, okay, well, 
yeah, but elves are always portrayed as white. Well, like there's basically African elves in Pathfinder, in the world of Pathfinder. So it's pretty cool just the way that they've done that system to kind of make it like no matter who you are, you can find yourself somewhere in this game. Whereas D and D has never really like laid that out. So I think with some of the new modules, I'm hoping that, you know, that they're taking these as opportunities to build on that because like you said, it's a, it's a big deal. And we talk about it now more than ever. And the reason why we continue to talk about it is because if we don't talk about it, then it it remains that conversation that people like get, like you're really anxious to have, or like weirds a lot of folks out. Like, you know, I like for me, like I still like, don't know exactly what's going on when i fill out certain forms because it's like my grandpa's got like native american my my grandmother on my mom's side's from central america native you know like mm-hmm. indigenous peoples and so it's like am i a person of color am i this people say hispanic what do they mean but like yeah like you said um it's i've been seeing people <clears throat> trying to understand it like when they talk about being like from spain or they have like family from spain and i'm like technically caucasian i don't remember yeah but like I it's mean. it's 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 just we have to keep talking about it in a constructive manner we have to continue to like you know push the boundaries what's great is social media has given a lot of us and a lot of people opportunities to really continue to put you know i wouldn't say like it's not like we're putting people in headlocks but that pressure that gen- that gentle pressure is there to say hey man like there's no real like they don't see people like in wheelchairs or there's no like differently able people in these books. Like, how do you operate right. if like you have an amputee? Like, what if you do what, like, do they have prosthetics and like, you know, can artificers do that? Like, you know, things like that where creativity yeah. has fallen to the player base versus like seeing it from the originator. And there's some amount of like, there's really a lot of power in that when you have like, the company and like the people who create the initial stuff like you know like the books and the official guides and all these things that come out where like you said like when you go to pick that up and like you flip through the pages and then like you know you're like wow i didn't like feel a connection to like to a character type or like you said like in pathfinder and ancestry or like a race in D D or other like systems like yeah you know it, it means a lot and and we i i still i'm here for it i'm i'm learning about what it means to be an ally like in a lot of different ways these days i feel like i'm never really 100 percent on what that means to be an ally like which i think kind of keeps me on my toes where it's like i gotta ask questions i need to be educated i need to educate myself more you know take some initiative and and understand that like you know it's a moving target we have to it's just a part of the human evolution i think at this point like we want that you know i want for everybody to have an enjoyable time no matter who they are right. background whatever nothing like i want them to sit down to be ready to and excited to learn and like i want people to be like in in a genuine state of like we're gonna have a good time here it's tough because there's obviously people who have room to improve and who need to grow personally that that will have to be asked to maybe step away and then you have to then somehow educate them differently there's a lot of you know apprehension from female representatives or female uh, presenting individuals who 
you know, from video games to tabletop RPG. And now we have amazing people in the community like a Satine Phoenix and like other female GMs that are out there that are running like women only games and like other things that are really blowing up that. And I'm hoping that it continues for all aspects of the community because it just means more nerds to come play this game and everywhere yeah. i go like i'm hoping i can feel like that student somewhere in the future in my life where i go somewhere and i'm just like i know where i can find some nerds to play some D and like those are the two things i need i just need people to be able to play D and be nerdy like me <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah and it's i mean it's kind of like the whole idea behind diversity you know you bring in people who have different you know upbringings different outlooks and you get them in a room and, and in this case, you put a character sheet down and roll some dice. And it's like, I never thought somebody would ever try this in a game. And it's like, you know, but people end yeah. up doing it because to them, it's a new experience. It's, you know, they're putting their own like, oh, okay, well, I, I thought this would be cool once or I saw this on a television show or whatever it was. And everyone else at the table has, has a different experience completely. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's definitely important. And, um, uh, I think hopefully, you know, at least if it's not the game designers, and I, I know that some of them are, um, then hopefully, you know, people that are creating content can be out there just kind of pushing this message and continue to make change. And hopefully we can start to continue to see a world, you know, that is much more approachable. I will do my best to try to find the links to some of those, um, yeah, excuse me, some of the sites, because some of these um, people that came on that show on three black halflings and, and go listen to their podcast. Cause it's, it really is wonderful. I'm sure they have a lot of that stuff attached there too, but if you're autistic and you want to create a character, that's like you, they created a template to help you play that character in D and D, you know what I mean? And it helps not only the people who are differently able to play something that they can relate to if they choose to, it also helps if you're somebody that wants to, you know, respectfully kind of learn about that, as well through the gameplay. So I think it's a really cool thing that they're doing. And, you know, we need more people like that to continue that conversation and help improve things. And it's, so it's not just all dwarves are Scottish people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I definitely fall back on like Scottish and Irish accents for, for oh, certain yeah. characters, no doubt. And it's, I mean, I blame, uh, was it, um, Steve Jackson? No, who did Lord of the Rings? Okay. I'm Peter Jackson. Up, yeah, it's Peter, Is it Peter Jackson. Yeah, I was Steve Jackson. I think made the uh, Munchkin games. I want to mm. say I don't know. There's an I'm I'm switching my wires. Yeah, everybody get mad at me, please <laughs> don't get mad at Navar because I was thinking about something and I'm like I blame I blame uh, Hollywood for some of my preconceived oh, yeah. notions of certain types of characters because that's who was telling a lot of these tales that you know, were inspired by maybe some D and D games somewhere. I mean, it obviously they tried to make D and D movies and then things like dark crystal come out and hmm. labyrinth and all kinds of things that we then in our heads start to kind of imagine when we think of a dungeon, I think of some of those scenes from like back then where they're like walking through like a maze and, yeah. you know, and that's where I kind of go to and default to, Hey, I had one more game uh, I was going to throw out there. Oh, yeah. It is based on fifth ed. So, I mean, everybody can hate on that already, <laughs> but uh, you know, it is easy baby mode, but there is a twist to it. It's called uh, D and destiny. And D so and destiny. there's a group of folks who play the game called destiny, which is a bungee video game. Mm -hmm. uh, the same people who originally made the halo series who and i don't think a lot of the people who were on the halo team stayed around but bungie came out with this new uh mmo rpg fps 
the lore is nuts the lore in that game first of all just for destiny and destiny 2 is bananas you can go find my name is bife but they made a tabletop rpg based on the destiny game and so wow. it does have like space magic and guns <laughs> yeah. and there's like ener- energy weapons that fire energy type of you know uh projectiles and things so yeah they're they went there and did that so i'm like at some point i will I, I'm going to muster up the courage because I feel like, you know, I don't know enough lore about destiny. Like I'm still digging into it. It's so deep, but like, I'm like, I want to get into one of these games, man, because it sounds so nuts. Yeah. That does sound nuts, but that sounds space. like it'd be fun for sure. Yeah. Cause it's space magic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, We all need a little space magic. Well, cool, man. Well, yeah, I definitely appreciate you taking the time to talk to me about all this stuff and I love the conversation and, you know, I think it's, it's great. Uh, hopefully you can continue to help out on the UNM esports side and, you know, if there's anything I can do to, to be involved at some point, I'd, I'd love to help. Like I said, growing the community is the biggest thing for, for this podcast. So awesome. No, I think, uh, there's a really cool group over at a place called Etten Games on this side of Albuquerque, and I think that we can 100% do some stuff offline, and I, I really do commend you, man. I want to just say a few words here before we wrap it up, just so that it's on this and on record that um, you have pushed my, you know, like abilities as i think a dm gm in general because of like i think your map making skills was super cool to see like again your take on the way that you do things um the world building and like you said you can tell there's a writer in there and so it's been super cool to see new facets of people that were in my life and especially like people that you know you grow grow up around certain you know around people and it's like we had you know, again, we leave with preconceived notions at some time we come back together a la Miguel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then it's suddenly like, Oh yeah. Do you know, this guy's a big old nerd. Like yeah. I'm he like, I had a feeling. Man. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm like, I know you're a big old nerd. And so, um, but, uh, but again, I want to say thanks. I really appreciate the opportunity to come on and, uh, I'll definitely be willing to help out in ways that I can. And, and I think that there's just ripe opportunity we're living in this crazy world guys after you know well i wouldn't even say post pandemic yet we're uh, still kind of vaccines are out and Mm -hmm. we're kind of we're kind of coming through this part we're hoping that this new delta variant doesn't really give us a whole second you know wave but uh our hopes are you know like any other human i think in in history is that you know we want to see things better then we came upon them and i think that this last year has given us a lot of um, time to reflect and i really do honestly just like think that even in our small group and the word community can mean any number of people after just two people i think but like in our small group you know it's just been a wonderful experience and every you know every one of you guys showing up just you know meant a lot to me and and takes a whole another weight off of my shoulders when those uh when our sessions were going down so i look forward to more opportunities to do that i look forward to to seeing your growth as a dmgm and i can't wait to you know hear some ideas on how we can look at where we are in the albuquerque metro area and then help people just you know from all ages you know there's a what is it called the young adventurers guides out there so if you're out there as a parent like check some of those out if your kids might be interested uh, it's a little more age appropriate but hmm. um yeah. again there's there's some really cool things and i can't wait to see what you have in store and what ideas you've got going forward because this is a really great thing too man so uh, if you're a nerd out there and you're worried about it, Navarre's a hundred percent on it, man. Let's just, let's get some games going, find somebody near you too, you know, take a deep breath and jump on in. Like it's super fun and it's a great time. Heck yeah. Just take a shot. 
I mean, the worst yeah. that can happen is you don't have a good time. Just find another group, you know, but more get likely, better dice. you're going to have a, a good group. Yeah. Yeah. Or get better dice, <laughs> get loaded dice, get loaded dice. That's the best way to have fun. Um, You'll no. get kicked out. No, <laughs> yeah, <just> <laughs> Gary Gygax will come back and haunt you. Like, he will find you. you. Get loaded dice. Yeah. Well, cool, man. Well, go ahead and, uh, and stop there, but very much appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you would like to reach out to us, check out the many options on the Anchor app or anchor.fm on your browser. You can also reach us at secretnerdpodcast at gmail.com. Make sure to subscribe to the show, and if you'd like, leave a review to help us grow this thing.